WTO After the Whistle, The Locker Room, the official off-season podcast of the Capital City Supporters Group. This will be a special monthly discussion about roster moves, incomings, outgoings for ATO and throughout the CPL, as well as rumors, credible or otherwise. We're keeping the takes hot all winter long, so you know they'll be hotter and even less accurate. I am Johnny MacArthur, and I am here with our good buddy, Joey, you know. You would know him from the Writers Guild and whatnot, CCSG's very own Joey. Thank you very much for uh, joining the podcast sphere. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing well. It's uh, it's nice to be out of the writing shed and in the recording booth uh, with food and water and not the mysterious fungus that grows on the wall. <laughs> That's where Daniel keeps you. Yeah. <laughs> you got that article done yet, Joey? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to have you. Joey It does a lot of work, <clears throat> actually, with our podcast, even though he wasn't on it with his voice. He does um, most, much of, if not most, of the uh, uh, the stats analysis and whatnot. Gives us a lot of stuff to uh, riff-raff back and forth. It gives us a package, and then we could just riff on it, <laughs> which is always nice. He's got the brain, but now now we've got the voice as well. So, Joey, what do you think about... Uh, we're going to start off with our roster moves. I know we had uh, we had done a previous attempt at this podcast, and we had to, you know, we did a little trial run. We're doing it again now, but we have the roster moves now, and uh, we sort of know the big uh, picture going into this new season. We've got Tiso and Melvin exercise their options. Perez gone, not picked up. Alleman gone, not picked up. McKendry, Manella contracts expired, they are gone. Moragrega, Camus loans expired, they are gone. That's a lot of outs. How do you feel about those? Uh, I feel there's a couple outs that I was a little surprised with. I think mm. the biggest one uh, was Alleman. I think actually the only one for yeah. me was Alleman. Um, mm. I was hopeful he would stay. I thought his end of season form was fantastic, and he yep. was truly a testament player to what our medical staff could do. Uh, what they did with Alleman, what they did with Shaw was amazing. And yeah. uh, Alleman really fit in well with the team on the field uh, in the locker room, as you can mm-hmm. see with the videos uh, that get posted from the team. And he also just gelled really well with us as supporters. He he really played into the cheekiness of everything that he was participated in those last second goals, the just the everything that he brought and the energy was fantastic. And I thought he had earned his spot here in Ottawa and I was shocked to see him go. Uh, and I hope it just means that he's going somewhere better, greener grass, somewhere that he could forward his career a little bit more than here in Ottawa. It's, I mean, you're absolutely right. He, he started picking up at the end of the season. He was one of our better players for a lot of match weeks. Um, it's a good point you make about the medical staff because I never really considered this, but him and Shaw as well, when they were coming back from injury, they did re- very well to ease them into the to the team, didn't they? They didn't... They were started right away. They'd get, you know, sub appearances or, or short appearances or something like that. So it, it, it's really good to have a comp, uh, you know, considering I'm a Liverpool fan and half of our team is injured right now because they have, you know, what one can consider an incompetent medical staff. It's good to know <laughs> that Ottawa in particular obviously has a very good uh, medical staff. And Element, I don't know why they didn't pick it up. You know, maybe, uh, I mean, he's been journeying his whole career, hasn't he? He he's Maybe a he wants he's a traveler. Somewhere. He's a traveler. He's definitely someone who won't settle at a club. I yeah. think he's he's in the sport because he loves the sport, 
but he's also in the sport because he likes to travel the world, I think. Yeah. And I think a little part of why he goes to so many clubs is to see all these sites. Um, mm. He's uh, from here in Canada, I believe, but he has a lot of uh, roots and family in uh, Costa Rica, and I really yeah. hope that's where he goes back for another year. Um, yeah. And then he can bounce to essentially any any club at this level of play uh, Kevin Allman could fit into. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been a, a starter slash depth piece for nearly half the league now. So, I mean, he can obviously play at this level anywhere. And, I mean, I know a lot of people, when they when they think about roster mo- uh, players and moves that they make, they're like, oh, I think he wants to go back to this club and be closer to home or whatever. Not everyone's like that. Some people don't care about being close to home. <laughs> so, like you say, some people want to travel the world. They want to switch teams every two years. So, you know, more power to Kevin. Wish you were staying, but... Uh, Best of luck in the next journey. So, other uh, other uh, exits. What do you feel about those? Uh, I wasn't really surprised by any of the exits. Um, hmm. All of our loan players. I don't think I was expecting any loans to really get uh, renewed, except for one, which we'll talk about a little bit later. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Perez leaving. He was alone, and then he was an actual signing. Him leaving. Um, the biggest surprise for Perez for me is that he didn't just straight up retire. I'm really happy to see him playing in third, fourth tier Spain, wherever he's, Mm -hmm. he's ended up right now. But, um, he's someone who is getting up there in age and it's starting to show on the field or showing off the field. Uh, he, he did, he had that extraordinary goal that he, he put in to, uh, win over Halifax, but that is that is the thing that you end on and for him yeah. to keep going is uh some strong perseverance from him that is yeah. a little shocking to me but uh, again i'm really happy to see him playing back in his home country it was an all-time ato moment wasn't it i wish i was at that game oh i i do as well i had to, i was i was coaching my own team that oh, night yeah. and had to miss that game i was shattered by it um, I watched all that again like the other day actually when he had left and then I was like oh I want to watch over this again and, and I I, I anal- analyzed the whole refing decision again because I tried to remember how they ended up the way that they ended up but um, what what a dramatic finish that was I remember watching it at home and, and when they had the pen to like tie it up I turned to Flo I said Flo I am extremely upset right now <laughs> <laughs> I'm angry <laughs> very angry uh, I think that was equal parts the worst and best refereeing decision in the entire league, uh, the entire season so far uh, to that point and afterwards, just because the the head ref was good to go, oh, I see the flags up, oh, but in my mind, I know it's wrong. So anyway, yeah. he was good to go back and, you know, correct his own mistake. And I think yeah. it just made that moment a little bit better. If it was an outright goal, it wouldn't have been as good, and the but the fact that it was a contested goal made it just so much better. And it's just a little bit sad that Perez is leaving because he's bringing <laughs> that little moment with him. But that's still ours, and we can keep it forever. For sure. Yeah, I mean, he was he he, he was very decent left back coverage, wasn't he? I mean, we didn't really have any other ones except uh, except Zach Hua from time to time, but. Uh... Yeah, I mean, you're right to say he's going back to Spain. He's got I'm pretty sure he's got a wife and kid in Spain, which I don't know if they were here. So, yeah, he was here for a, a, a good time and not a long time. McKendry and Manella, 
no yep. surprises there for Absolutely me no at surprises all. There. I think the biggest surprise from the two of them was about halfway through the season, someone reminded me that we still had Chris, Chris Manella on our roster, and I think yeah, that was it's... the biggest surprise. Mm. Um, surprises, talking about defenders, uh, Tiso staying is, yeah. to me, a surprise. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I might stand alone on this hill, but I'm not a big fan of Tiso and what he brought to the field for us last season. Mm-hmm. Um, he improved over the last four or five games of the season, but that doesn't make up for an entire squad's worth of mistakes that he had made throughout the season. He's, I don't know if he's too old or what's going on, but he felt too old for the position and the time that he took up on that space. I, I mean, for our, le- for our left back, he spent most of his time either passing the ball directly to the shin pads of someone who is going to knock it out to the other field or directly to the feet of someone on the other team. Keeping Tiso, I think, was a for the sake of squad congruity decision, but mm. I'm, I'm not the happiest he's staying. Well, I mean, what <clears throat> would you think differently if we signed a, a, a different starting left back and Tiso was the second choice left back? Then I'd be fine with it. That's that's yeah. the thing. That's what I mean by keep him for the sake of squad congruity to teach yeah. the next his replacement or whoever's coming in next to be the left back. But I don't think I could sit through another season of Tiso starting at the left. Well, I mean, he obviously played far too much. Everyone, everyone can see that. And when we when we got a backup left back, everyone was I know we were overjoyed, only to find you know Perez being injured half the time. But um. Yeah, no, it's because this this past season, Tiso, I believe, played the most minutes of any one season his entire career. And, you know, to do that at like 30 years old is, is pretty wild, especially with someone with the injury history that he has. So, obviously, he said in his interview with Le Droit, he he wants to retire in Ottawa. And, uh, you know, I think that's great. The, the the people love him here. He's been here for a very long time. He's a, he's a local hero. But... Uh, I mean, you're right. It's uh, I, th- I think him as a backup left back option is probably the ideal scenario because yeah, you just you can't be playing that many minutes, you know, going forward in uh, in seasons coming. No, absolutely not. Because at this point, it's it's going to turn into a thing where the teams that we play against will know this is the corner pocket we always have to be playing into, or worse. Tiso is going to get himself injured and not be able to end his career on his own terms. And that yeah. to me is the biggest thing, the biggest crime that could happen to a footballer, especially one as passionate as Tiso. Oh, yeah. Well, that's just it, right? Having your career ended by like an, in- an injury, there's, there's literally nothing worse than that. <laughs> so, speaking of other options, uh, Sean Melvin. That's, yeah, I, everyone's kind of surprised about that one. I figured he'd be off to Vancouver. A surprise, yeah. but a welcome one for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think right now the happiest person that Sean Melvin is staying with us, the happiest person in the entire planet about that right now is Billy Strathy because he gets another season out of the backup keeper bit that he has going with the Melvin kit. <laughs> he has his kit. He has his kit. He has the, the kit. only Melvin kit other than Melvin's own kit. He has, <laughs> and not just the kit, he has the shirt and shorts, which is the best part of it. And he he wears at least the shorts at the game, yeah. which is fantastic. Does he have, like, the leggings on that go under the shorts, too? Or oh, just no, the no, no. He brings the shorts <laughs> and the shirt, and then about 20 minutes in, the shirt's gone. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's why he goes full kit wankers because he knows the shirt's coming off, so he needs the shorts at least. Oh, absolutely. But I, I'm, I'm 
glad Melvin's staying. I think he absolutely could be a starting uh, a starting keeper anywhere in the CPL. I was mm. expecting him to be Vancouver's starter, but I think yeah. going back in the, and thinking about it with with hindsight, Irving did not have a great season at Pacific, and there was kind of a moment you could go back about a, two-thirds of the way through the season where you could kind of tell he's not coming back to Pacific. And when they announced Vancouver's a team, and then you kind of play in, oh, Irving's not great right now, I think it makes sense that Irving would be the choice there. And I think Melvin being our backup here, he did fantastic as a backup. He he had some nail-biting moments that cemented him as an all-star backup keeper, in my opinion. And I, I think it's great that we've kept him, and I hope that he splits a little bit more time with, uh, with Nathan in net. And uh, honestly, I think the best thing that we could give for Melvin is go for a cup run and give give it to Melvin. I want a cup run so fucking bad, man. I I, I mean, I want us to reach the next level in the cup, first of all, but because <laughs> we've never done that. But uh, yeah, no, having the backup do like a good cup run is ugh, you want to see it. You want to see you want to see him get appearances and, and not because your number one is injured. You know, no. And I think towards the end of the season, when uh, Melvin was out there and playing he he did very well he did well to control the back line and put them where he needed while he wasn't as good at individual shot stopping as Nathan was I found him personally a little bit better with the interactions with our defenders he was a better uh he was better at putting them into the places that he needed he was a better chess player to put it that way well, it's <clears throat> that comes with the experience, right? And I mean, it's not every day you get a backup keeper that has that much experience. Normally, your drop to your backup keeper is going to be quite a drop because you'll have a young player, a kid that isn't as comfortable with, as you say, controlling the defense in front of them. But then you get someone who's 27, 28 years old that's, you know, played for Colorado Springs switchbacks, uh, I believe was a, was a Whitecaps youth product as well. Um, you know, he has a career's worth of experience as a backup keeper. It's, I mean, we were really, really spoiled in that respect. And, um, yeah, to switch things around a little bit, you have to wonder why he was kept when you consider that Nathan Ingham is currently on trial in Mexico with Atletico de San Luis. What do you think about that? I was hoping you'd bring it up because I had some time to think about this since the the news was out. Um, at the time of recording, Nathan is either traveling or would have just been arriving in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the reasons we could have doubled down on making sure we had Melvin is because there may have already been signs that we wouldn't have Nathan in this season that's coming up. And I think seeing him go on trial uh, along with Ollie to our sister club in Mexico, um, I think this might be another sign that maybe Melvin will be taking over as our number one. Mm-hmm. I think of the two, uh, Nathan and Ollie, who are going to uh, Atletico San Luis for their trial, I think Nathan is more likely to stay longer term of the two of okay. them. Yeah. Um, I think that goalkeepers especially have a little bit more of a sacred spot in Mexican mm-hmm. footballing. Uh, just because there are so many Mexican keepers out there who rank so highly. And so I think being being able to produce an all-star keeper is a, something of a sense of pride for Mexican clubs. And yeah. 
Nathan Ingham is right at the time of his career, right in the time of his age where he is about to hit his peak. And if a Mexican club in top flight can grab that and say, oh, look, look what we did. We have this Canadian player from the Canadian League, mm-hmm. brand new. Look what we've done with him. He came from our sister club. It's all part of this one big program. Look what we've done. Yeah. I think Nathan is, of the two, the better choice for that. I think that's, you know, that's pretty fucking hitting the nail on the head. Um, and you're absolutely right. Nathan's about to hit his prime. He's been overachieving as far as expected goals against for, like, four seasons now. Um, if he was going to make the move, it's it's now. And and I, I think he probably considers himself extremely not lucky because, you know, you put the work in 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 that uh, line of work right you know you you get what you deserve you get out of it what you put into it but i'm sure he sees himself fortunate to be in a situation where he's with a club like ours that we can say hey you know you don't have to necessarily get a transfer alone to move to a place like that we can send you there on trial they can take a look at you you know you've got four years of game tape they saw beforehand go down there and show them what you got and then maybe you can hit a number one spot in mexico and you know I think I speak for everyone that, you know, we'd like to be selfish and, and, you know, say that, you know, you hope you fail and you come back and play for us. But, you know, I want to, I'm going to do the goodwill hunting thing and then like, listen, when I show up tomorrow, I just hope that you're not here. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> good reference. Eh? I didn't even have that prepared. I just came up with that right away. Every day I dream of showing up at that door and you're not there. <laughs> I, that's my that's my Boston accent. There, we, my there are so many players on our team that I have that exact feeling for, and I haven't mm. been able to come up with a way to express that feeling until right now. So I'm I'm go. glad that you have come <laughs> up with that because Nathan Nathan is right up there. He's one of those players who like, man, I'm so glad we have him. But why do mm. we have him? It's the same with yeah. it's the same with Ollie. It's we are so lucky to have a player of his magnitude, of his aptitude, his attitude, his just willingness to be here in Canada, a country yeah. that until two years ago didn't matter in the world of men's footballing to yeah. come here and, and to commit to a league as young as ours with as many issues that come with a young league then to see them commit and to then see them move on to a larger league because of the work they put in with our system, both nationally and with our club, is is astonishing. And it's an amazing thing. And I really hope they're not here when I show up tomorrow. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to use that so often now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make memes. I'm going to, oh, it's popping off. Goodwill hunting memes. Let's go. <laughs> So now that we have all of these uh, exits and, you know, one of the biggest ones we haven't talked about yet, El Capitano, Drew Becky, that's going to be a huge loss, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> Drew is, for me personally, has been one of my favorite players, both in the team and just in the sport in general. Um, mm. And to see him retire is, uh, you know, a little heartbreaking on a personal level. But at the same time, I'm really glad that he's one of those people that understands what they want and can step forward in that and mm. to see him move on to a role in administration which is something that he he's wanted to do is is fantastic he has the academy that he works with in uh, denver colorado which mm. uh, is absolutely fantastic and he's done some great work with uh, the hornets here in ottawa 
and uh, I talked to him very briefly at the CPL award show, and and he expressed how excited he was with the opportunity to to move on to the world of of administration and footballing, and I'm incredibly excited for him to be able to take the next step and to be able to take that next step here in in Ottawa. So we don't actually have to say goodbye to Drew Becky. We just get to say hello to him in street clothes instead of, you know, field clothes. It's really interesting that he that you had that conversation that he already he was already starting to think about that and knew that's what he wanted to do. And I mean, I'm sure he had had that conversation with Fernando at that point probably through the season, probably saying, I mean, that's probably why we've been making some of the roster moves that we've made, you know, bringing in guys to replace him, bringing in someone like Sergio Caboose, even if it was just for that season. Cause it's like, listen, he was probably saying, listen, like I'm probably the gas tank is going to be empty by the end of the season. So, uh, I want to get into this and <clears throat> you're absolutely right. The fact that he's, you know, he's not gonna be captain cause he's not gonna be on the team, but the fact that he's still going to be around all the time is, is wonderful because I mean, he's so integral to, the ATO renaissance, really, about the spirit of this team that ended up winning the regular season when you think about how we progressed over uh, over three seasons. So this isn't goodbye. It's just now you can drink more beer with us instead of a one-year-off on a red card suspension. <laughs> I do want to talk about, while we're, we're still kind of on the topic of having to replace Drew Becky, that leaves two things open. One mm. is we need to replace him as a defender, but we also need to replace him as a team captain. Yeah. I think the replacement as a team captain is a fairly obvious choice. We still have Carl Howarth, who mm-hmm. took the armband essentially every time we needed him to. Uh, he yeah. makes the most sense to just step up one more in the pecking order of who wears mm-hmm. the armband and to take it up permanently. But I think the more difficult question is who's going to replace him as a defender. And I want to drop the name of someone we already have, and that's Neba. They're mm-hmm. at the year-end event with the uh, for the season members, there was a little bit of conversation from the stage from Neva and from uh, Nathan Hingham talking about, okay. you know, Neva bringing more to the team this year on the field to match mm. the, the commitments that he's made off the field because something that doesn't get talked about enough and something that Nathan made sure that everyone at that event knew is that Neva plays a very important role in the locker room. He is very often, and this is a quote from Nathan Ingham, he is very often the first one there and the last one to leave. I think some of us, and myself included, kind of gave him a little bit of a bad rap and and gave him Mm -hmm. this, oh, he's, you know, defender made of glass. But I think we may have just gotten him in a time where he was coming off of an injury that most of us didn't know as much about it as we should and maybe judged him a little too quickly. But going back and looking at the highlights of his career from where he's played elsewhere and then listening to how dedicated he sounded himself and how dedicated his teammates sounded when talking about him, I truly believe that Neba can and will step up this year to prove himself to be one of the best defenders that this club has signed thus far, if not one of the best defenders to arrive in this league. I mean, he definitely has the pedigree for that. He definitely has the skill level for that and when you when you mention him coming off an injury you're absolutely right and I remember when we first signed him that was a point of um, concern for a lot of people it was I, I think it was something like in the past 12 months he'd only played like four or five games um, or started four or five games or, or something like that and um, but I mean you're right his pedigree is ridiculous the amount of clubs that he's played for the amount of cups that he's won 
And, um, you know, if, if you're not firing on all cylinders or you're coming off of an injury, it was really hard to break into that starting 11. Starting 11 that had people like Drew Becky. Starting, even at the end, Drew couldn't break into. You got Sergio Camus. You got Miguel Acosta. You got Diego Espejo. It's not easy to break into that side. So I think you're absolutely right, and I'm right there hoping with you that he's going to have a huge 2023 and, you know, be a, a, a stalwart talismanic defenseman uh, for our side. You mentioned earlier about replacing Drew as a captain, and I'm not sure if it's going to be as easy as you make it out to be. I realize that Carl, you know, he captained the Fury for years. He is very much captain material. <clears throat> now, the difference here is that Drew would be on the field almost every single game, whereas Carl al almost always came in as a sub. So I think it's a little strange. And I mean, it's the same thing with Tiso as well. Tiso would definitely would be captain material, but I mean, if he's not starting, it, it, se it seems a little strange to have your captain be starting on the bench most of the time, no? Would you Would you agree? Um, there are two ways of approaching it. If you're going, mm. I'm going to approach it as a coach. Mm. Um, I personally am not afraid to have my captain start on the bench because. Okay. The captain's job, first and foremost, is to keep his team organized in a way that the coach can't. There are mm. things that your captain sees, hears, and is a part of that you as a coach cannot ever understand or fully be a part of because of the dynamic that separates you from your players. I think having a, a captain like Carl, someone who is as charismatic as he is, while, yes, he may not start on the field is often having him starting from the bench or having him being on the bench gives a second benefit in that he is able to see all parts of the field and is able to focus his brain on the field and give advice to the substitutes who are going to be able to go on before him. On mm. top of that, Carl has coaching experience and mm. I believe of all of our players when it is time to hang up the boots, Carl will join our coaching staff as an assistant coach. Mm. And I would not be surprised if at some point this season, or if he remains on as a player next season, his contract gets renegotiated to give him player coach privileges. So mm. that way he can stay on the sideline and be a player coach captain from the sideline and be able to participate in both the tactical, technical, and on-field decisions and captaining. So I don't think it is a strange decision to make him the captain and have him still be an impact sub. Yeah, good. Well, yeah, fair enough. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I love that we have so many players that are probably going to finish their careers in Ottawa. First, Drew Becky and Tiso wants to, and Carl, I can totally see that happening as well. It's a good other sort of... We we have so many mission statements, <laughs> mandates with, uh, with ATO. It, it seems like being like a final destination for just gold-hearted Canadian veteran players is is one of those. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to throw two names out there that I think could be great captain material. They might seem a little left field. One of them is Malcolm Shaw. One of the only players still left from the first year. Actually, I think the only player still left from the first year. And Miguel Acosta is the other one I'm going to throw out. I think Miguel Acosta is underrated as in that respect. I know he he, take, he took the armband up at least once maybe even twice when it was required of him that dude runs through walls for this team and i mean although he hasn't you know <clears throat> obviously he hasn't uh he's he's not i don't know no, traditionally is the word but he's not obviously leadership material like a drew beck he is i really think 
that he has the ability to take up that mantle. And, you know, this will be, I think, his third year with us. And that's, that's a pretty big commitment for someone who's an international player to be here f- through the bad, the very bad, and also the good and say, you know what, I want to stay here. So just throwing that out there, Miguel Acosta, even if maybe even vice captain, but I think uh, he could definitely be in that hierarchy of, of uh, the armband. What do you think? So I think right now with our current, uh, or when Drew was here, our current captain hierarchy was, um, I believe we didn't have an official one, but as close to an official as we got was Drew, then Carl, then Miguel, uh, and then Ben. And at some point in the season, Ben and Acosta had switched, McKendry and Acosta mm-hmm. had switched. Um, I think Acosta would make a fantastic vice captain. And I think one thing you didn't mention that he brings to the table that at this particular club is incredibly useful is his first language is Spanish, which as a Spanish-owned club with a Spanish coach and a backline that is majority Spanish, and I Mm. will imagine will continue to be majority Spanish, it makes sense to have a Spanish captain running that backline. So having him as a vice captain, to me, makes most sense with... Howarth being the captain because you have yeah. Acosta starting on the field with the armband controlling the back line in the dirt while you have Captain Carl to the sideline getting these the younger substitutions ready so that way uh, both Quasi and Cargo can focus on coaching directly and worrying about their things and I think that's the strength that Carl will bring and I think that strength will be boosted even further with Acosta. I think Shaw should definitely be in the pecking order of captains. Mm. I don't think making him the direct captain would be the best idea. And I think I think the biggest thing preventing Malcolm from being the main captain is that he's quick to frustration. I love a lot of things that Malcolm brings to the club. His, his passion, his strength, his ability to land these dramatic goals right when we need them, his awesome parents. Mm. I just think... The biggest thing that prevents him from wearing the armband the full time is frustration. He's got knees that are not at full strength, even when they're at full strength. And I think that leads to him pushing himself further than he needs to. And yeah. that builds this this mental wall up where he can't beat himself. And if you can't beat yourself, how can you lead others? And I think with a little bit more time and once he's kind of found a true rhythm here, which I think even though he's done great, he hasn't found a full promising rhythm here. Once he has that, he could definitely be a third captain. But I think right now he has some work he needs to do first. Well, I mean, that's that's classic uh, striker stuff in a low-scoring team, isn't it? I mean, half of your season is probably just being frustrated about uh, not banging in as many goals as you probably should be. Not everyone's got that sicko, oh, I'm a striker that doesn't score, but I can do other stuff. I can, you know, draw fouls and get cards and frustrate everybody else sort of mentality. Like, listen, I want to score. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to uh, see how the captain situation shakes up. I mean, with the, with the people that we have right now, I really don't see us being one of those teams that uh, brings in a new signing who walks into the captaincy. It's definitely going to be someone that we've already got. So interesting to see how that works out. Speaking of bringing in new signings, why don't we move on to this? We've been looking at... Uh, Who's been free agents? Who's been let go uh, across the league and across you know North America and whatnot? And uh, we got a lot of spots to fill. I think we've got what 12, 13 players at the moment signed, confirmed. Uh, 
Yeah, 13 players. So we got a lot of spots to fill. So starting from the back, who, uh, defenders, who do you got? Who are you looking at? Who do you want to bring in? For me, the I've been harping on the left back, so I want to talk about who mm. to bring in for left back. Yeah. I, I personally was looking at Chris Lee. He uh, he was released from the Whitecaps too. He's mm. uh, he's 21, but he was born in 2004, so I don't know if he'll count for you 21 minutes uh, in the upcoming season. Um, I don't believe so, unfortunately. But... Darn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. Well, forget about that then. Next. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. He played, for, he played for Pacific, uh, so he has experience in uh, in the CPL. He's uh, he's a speedy little guy who's mm. not too bad with crosses, and I think that's kind of what we need at left back. Yep. That's what we've been lacking there. Yeah. I don't think he's going to really fix the our left back is not as defensive as we need. But mm. if we're going to be playing in a, in a counter-attacking style where we end up using three uh, three center backs more often than we rely on a left-back, right-back combination, and they play as more left-wing-back, uh, right-wing-back pair, then he'll absolutely settle in, I think, a little bit better than Tiso would in that role. Yeah. Uh, he's younger. He's young enough that we can still uh, mold him into what we need, pair him with Tiso so he has someone who can teach him the ropes and teach him the style and teach him how to play how we want him um and like i said he's already got that cpl experience which i think should always be something that we look at when we sign players yeah no that's a very good point i mean and the thing is is that is a young cpl player right like too many people take punts on cpl players that have been in the league for a while and just sort of have not cut it you know i'm looking at you valor but uh, <clears throat> some of these young players that have been released from Whitecaps 2, uh, CF Montreal, TFC 2, I mean, these are players that we should really be looking at. And uh, especially Whitecaps 2, I'm, you know, terrified that Vancouver is just going to scoop all of them up. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, maybe they don't want to be looked at as the club that just picks up uh, Whitecaps rejects, you know, for lack of a better term, so... Who knows? But I mean, you're absolutely right. Left back is is a glaring issue, and as we know, you know, Canadian left backs they don't grow on trees. When you, when you look at the some of the best ones in the league, you know, if you're looking at your uh, Diadine Abzis, your uh, Brett Levi's, I mean, our I I don't think I can name any more truly fantastic left backs from our league. No, that's that's to me that's about it. Those are the first two that come to mind, and yeah. you're absolutely right. They're not the easiest thing to come by. Canadian midfielders everywhere. You could you could throw a rock and hit ten. Yeah. Uh, the Canadian left backs. Yeah. yeah. There are it's two. it's funny to say because uh, you know we have one of the best ones in the world over in Germany at the moment, but uh, for the ones that stay at home, a little bit slim pickings. It's 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 hard. It's one of those things where the less common a position is played, the less skill that will be available in the pool. But those. Mm those less commonly played positions, those smaller skill pool positions are some of the most important in modern footballing. And I think left and right backs are often disregarded completely because they're those corner defenders that in older stylings of football just kind of sat there and waited for the winger to come to them. And and now in modern football, they're up there, they're playing more. But everybody, every kid, every 10-year-old wants to be the striker who scores all the goals yeah. and, and no one wants to be the left back. 
And so when you find that kid who's been playing as a left back since he was eight years old and it's definitely always wanted to be a left back, those mm. are the ones we need to sign. Yeah. And those are the ones that just aren't coming through anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. We, when, when you're a kid and you know, you're not good at any other position, they stick you in fullback. Right. And, um, <clears throat> and I mean, you're right when you say that every kid wants to be a striker. And I feel like with Canadian sort of player development evolution, this is part of a larger conversation, but we're still kind of in that mode. And that's why defenders, you know, elite Canadian defenders are very, very hard to come by. Uh, that's why we, you know, we're low on fullbacks. We're low on center backs. I mean, fuck, how, how often have we talked about, uh, about Canadian center backs and how there's only really a few elite Canadian ones in the league and how so many of the other best ones are, you know, are, are foreign. I mean, our, our starting, uh, uh, center back, uh, trio for the final, we're all Spanish. You know, we were sort of memed for having an entire Spanish backline for a lot of the season. So, I, I mean, I think we're going to have to do that again. And, you know, actually, this is a good segue into we could talk about how Espeo is coming back if you want to uh, if you want to delve deep into this young lad. I, I'd be happy to. <laughs> I, I can't contain the level of excitement that I have for... Uh, Isn't it insane? For Espeo staying, I... Nobody thought this was possible. I mean, I we was... say anytime someone comes here for a loan, it's going to be for the one season and then they're gone. That's how I, it always works. I was so in the camp of he's gone. He's mm. going back. He's not coming back. And then he did. And I was so ill-prepared for this, mo for this <laughs> moment. And it happened. And now we have Espeo for another season. I think, though, this will be a bit of a double-edged sword. I think on the field, he's going to continue to be the same old Espeo. Mm. I think off the field, this is going to bring us some media heat where people are going to continue saying, look at Ottawa taking advantage of, of their parent club. Look at this. Look at that. I would give uh, a shit. I, people who say that have a fundamental lack of understanding of how the sport works. It should mm. They shouldn't be looking at, look at Ottawa taking advantage of their parent club. People should be looking at look at Atletico Madrid taking advantage of their affiliate clubs. This is yeah. what we're here for. Mm. Our club is, yes, the representation of the capital city in Canadian Premier Football, but it is also an affiliate club of one of the top clubs in the world. So mm. we need to do both jobs. Diego Espeo is the representation of that job. We'll take the media heat, but it just means that all of the facets and all the factors of our club that need to work are working. The club yeah. is doing what it's supposed to do. It is creating players in Canada for a club that owns us and will allow us to develop our players and their players in tandem. Mm. And Diego Espeo represents exactly that. He represents the heart of this club, the heart of a generation of players who are up and coming, both forward and domestic. And he plays in a position that no kid wants to play. And I hope to God some kid somewhere here in Ottawa has been to TD Place and watched Diego play and said, that's it, Mom. I'm going to be a defender now. <laughs> I love that. I know there's at least one ATO fan. His name is Alex listening to this. He's probably saying exactly that. But yes, we need more center backs, please. Especially you tall kids. Play center back. <laughs> we need more of you. You talk about the heat from the media, and you know I'm going to say the quiet part out loud. I think the fact that he's not Canadian doesn't help things either, because I mean Valor can loan Sirwa and Sean Rea for two seasons in a row, and nobody gives a shit. But 
<laughs> but, uh, you know, that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. I think people f- kind of forget that while we are titled as the Canadian Premier League, we function more or less as the fanciest top flight domestic development league I've ever seen. Because we honestly are just a very fancy development league. And I'm okay with that. I think a lot of people struggle to be okay with that. I personally am more than okay with that. It gives us a truly grassroots feeling on and off the field. And I think Canada soccer screams grassroots and it always has. And I think our league represents that fantastic in a fantastic way. And Mm -hmm. I think Atletico Madrid was is one of those clubs that has looked at our league and went you know what this is not a bad way to develop players and Mm. so the fact that diego is not canadian yeah might bring some some derision but it also shows that this league it is possible to develop players and i think diego is a fantastic representation of that and to look outside of ottawa ronan kratt is an amazing representation of of what a development league can do yeah. Once international attention is upon it, he went off for a trial in Germany and is now on loan with uh, one with uh, the top with the top flight team with uh, yeah, Werder Bremen. Thank you. I just yeah. have a, I I knew which team it was. I just can't pronounce things. That WV. That's uh, <laughs> I, that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I look at that. That's that's a fantastic next step for someone that we called Zabumafu for an entire year. <laughs> He, he, he's You're so fantastic... right. I mean, what a move! What a move! And I mean, you know, kudos to York for like pulling that off too and providing that opportunity. It's absolutely uh, amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is that we we were always bragging about how we're a pull for players because they're going to have these big opportunities when they come here. And now York is just you know really breathing down our necks, being like, "Yeah, well, we can do that too." <laughs> I think it's just a true sign that our league is healthier than I think some people like to lead on. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I mean, you mentioned how we got to be okay with it being a development league. I mean, let's be real. All leagues, except for like maybe six or seven of them in the world, are development leagues when you yeah. think about it. And even the, even the lower level ones, uh, players will still want to go to the higher level ones. So it's it happens. And it's just something that we, uh, we got to get used to. I think the biggest thing in modern footballing is there isn't a league to get to anymore. There's nine or ten clubs to get to. Yeah. Everything else is development. Yeah. Yeah, no, good. To, no, that's a good way of putting it. So we talked about defense, midfield. Who are you looking at to uh, bring in a show up or midfield? I mean, we just lost two, even though the they were mostly bench players. I mean, you know, Ollie's in Mexico. Who knows if he's going to come back? If he stays, I... he's going to need some sunscreen. I'm worried about that boy over there. Just going to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I personally was looking at uh, bringing Owen back as a permanent player. Um, First, Owen was the first player I got to write an article about, so I have that personal bias of, like, let's keep him. Um, But also, I think we didn't get to see the full extent of what Owen could bring to the club. I Mm -hmm. think he had too much competition at the time. I think bringing him... Bringing him in on loan at the time we brought him in was a bit of a strange one, and I think maybe if we had him for a full season, things would be different. With Ollie on loan and with the potential of him actually not coming back, we need someone who will be able to fill a true midfielding to a uh, true midfield to attacking midfield position, and mm-hmm. I think Owen could fill that role. 
the glimpses of talent and of show that we actually got from him were, were, were great. I think he has a lot of potential and a lot of ability going forward. And I think this would be a great place for him to learn. And there's a lot of people here that he can learn from. And he already has experience here in the city. I think bringing him in on on a full, actual one-year contract to see what he could do is the best first step we could take in growing our midfield back up. Yeah, I mean, the messaging when we brought him in was very clear. It was, we need someone else to get some uh, under 21 minutes. I mean, he, I remember he even said in his interview, he's like, I know why I'm here, and I'm going to try... My darndest to make sure I can get as many under 21 minutes as I can. But I mean, you're right. And as I said at the time, uh, <clears throat> I was like, this this guy reminds me of Antoine Couplin. I mean, uh, just with his style and, you know, obviously his size. He's young, not as young as Antoine. But uh, no, I would be super, super down to give that kid another punt. If not only for the minutes, I think he still qualifies for them. But uh, not only for that, but I just think he looks like a promising young player. And I mean, yeah, he got released by Whitecaps too, so... He's there for the taking. I also wouldn't be heartbroken to bring Anthony back to uh, back to Ottawa. I think uh, where he is right now in Croatia, the club is not having the greatest run of things. Uh, yeah. They parted ways with their head coach at the start of the season, brought in a, a different coach with hopes that things would change. Oh, really? Uh, I didn't know that. Results haven't gone the way that they hoped. And yeah. Now it looks like they're going to stay clear of relegation, but there was a, a, a good time period where it looked like they were going to be relegated for yeah. the first time in uh, what I believe is modern Croatia footballing history that this mm -hmm. club would have been relegated. Um, so there's potential that he could be looking for somewhere to go, but uh, he's been doing great with their U19 and with their reserve mm -hmm. team. Uh, he's been on the bench once for the senior team, so I think bringing yeah. him back would not be the worst decision we could make right now. Mm. But um, at the same time, if he wants to keep developing in Europe, let him keep developing in Europe. Mm. I really need him to make the uh, the national team before he makes U23 or Adam Jenkins is coming after me. So, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you got a bet, don't you? I do. I have a bet going with Adam Jenkins and Jimmy Brennan. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Anthony, if what's... you're listening to this, please make the national team. <laughs> what's the What's the bet? What's the bet? If Antoine, uh, if Antoine Couplin makes the makes the the Canadian national team for twenty twenty six World Cup, not the twenty twenty six World Cup. He has to he has to make one appearance for the national the men's national team before he turns twenty three. Before he turns twenty three. Okay. Before he turns twenty three, and it has to be in an actual game. It can't be like a friendly against like Iceland. It has to be okay. like an actual like honest honest to god like real match against See, I, a, I mean, a competitive listen, team. Listen, Iceland made the World Cup like uh, they did. Years ago, See, so I, don't I wasn't the one who chose Iceland as the bar here. I want to point <laughs> out that Adam Jenkins decided where the bar yeah. was, and Iceland yeah. was the bar. Um, <laughs> if he makes the team, then Adam Jenkins and Jimmy Brennan both have to get Atletico Ottawa tattoos, and I never have to pay for beer in Ottawa again. All However, right. if he doesn't, I have to get two Forge tattoos. Oh. <laughs> And Jimmy Brennan and Adam Jenkins don't pay for beer in the city again. Oh man, that's a big one. You made you made that bet. How much had you drank before then? Somebody kept buying Jimmy shots, and Jimmy didn't want them anymore. So I ended up drinking Jimmy shots, oh, and then this bet was made. So, yeah. 
Listen, this this kid <laughs> plays for keeps right here. This kid Joey, he plays for keeps. Don't, yeah, don't play if, with uh, him. <laughs> if you're looking for someone to make bets with, Glebe Central Pub. Catch me after a couple whiskeys. <laughs> but okay, listen. If if Rieka gets relegated, does that not give there's there's probably a way more chance of of Coupling being able to crack the first team, isn't there? Wouldn't you think? Absolutely, but there's also the same the same level of. If this is a player who wants to to be an elite level player and he clearly has an agent who believes that because he has had so many trials in so many nations, which is both a good sign and a bad sign uh, for me, um, I think that it will be more likely to see him depart for top flight anywhere else than it would mm -hmm. be to play second division or third division somewhere. I think for him right now at his age, the biggest thing he wants is exposure. Yeah. And the biggest thing that he needs is exposure. So I think uh, you'd be more likely to see him go to anywhere else in that region, top flight, uh, rather than play in second flight, like Romania top flight, Latvia top flight. I know when, um, <clears throat> before going to Croatia, he had basically, they toured Europe, and I know they did They did a lot in Portugal. And, I mean, obviously, Top Flight Portugal is some of the biggest clubs in the world, but it's 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 also, I think, of the big European leagues, one of the most top-heavy leagues. I mean, like, you know, every other week, a, a club like Benfica is, is going and playing in a 5,000-seat stadium. So, like, there are there are some very small clubs in that Top Flight that, might be able to use a player like Coupland and uh, whether it's in their B team, hoping to crack their uh, their first team. I mean, you're right. He probably wants to be in the first team somewhere, whether he's or sorry, the top flight somewhere, whether he's playing in their under 19s or not. I think another thing about Portugal is it's becoming one of those those nations that is a bastion of Canadian players uh, mm. that have just quietly started doing very well. Uh, Steven Estacchio and uh, Vittoria are both over there um, playing incredibly well. Um, same thing in Belgium. There's a, a, a good contingent of Canadian players in Belgium yeah. who are just doing fantastic. So I think mm -hmm. uh, somewhere like that for Antoine to go for a season and then say he gets picked up by a club in Belgium, send him on loan here at Ottawa for the season, then that's two birds, one stone. He gets better development yeah. somewhere else, and he gets to come back here to the city. Yeah. Basically, we want this kid to come back. I've been saying this all season. We'll see if they get him on the phone. <laughs> all right, what else in our midfield? We, I mean, we, we, one of our draftees is a midfielder, Junior Agyekam. I am fucking stoked about this dude. What about you? I'm excited. Um, it's been kind of hard for me to find good... Uh, good stats information through my usual channels. Just oh because... no, about university players, it's just you can't do it. <laughs> well, university players in America, I could tell you what any of them had for breakfast this morning because that <laughs> stuff gets posted within five minutes. <laughs> but you want to know anything about a Canadian player, you have to write them an actual letter with quill and ink and hope they respond. <laughs> it is It is awful, but from the tape that I've seen... Both of our draft picks this season have been phenomenal. And I think something yeah. that Ottawa has done well since day one with these drafts is just do a good job in the draft. I, I yeah. think it's something that doesn't really get talked about a lot except for the couple days that the draft happens and then at the couple days at the end of the summer when or at the start of the summer when the development contracts are running up and yeah. they actually decide if they're going or not. 
But I think the draft deserves more attention. And mm. I think we, especially as a club, understand how the draft works and how to play it well. We weren't going for these number one, number two, number three draft picks. We were going for the, you know, upper middle class. And that's where, to me, those nuggets of good players are. And Junior is one of those just nuggets of a good player who, in the next two, three years, is going to really start to hit his stride. And you're going to see a very, very good young Canadian player who is going to be off somewhere somewhere he's going to take the Ronin crap path of of soccer and I can't wait to see it and I'm glad that this is going to be his first step into the professional world well he's going to be developing under uh behind Abdu Suzoko which I think is an incredible environment for uh someone like him to be playing in I mean you know he's the vet that's played all over the world I think that's a fantastic mentoring opportunity for the two of them. Um, I think that it's going to be a fantastic opportunity for Sissoko, who is at that stage in his career where he, you know, isn't as sure as some of the others in the club at his age, where he's going to go next. Administration, coaching, scouting, leave the sport entirely. He doesn't quite know yet, or at least it doesn't look like he knows yet. So I think Mm. getting a chance to mentor a player like Junior and sit down in that one-on-one situation and be like, hey, here's how I do this trick in this situation, I think would be a great chance for Junior to learn skills from uh, an incredibly experienced player that we are incredibly lucky to have. Mm-hmm. And also gives Sissoko a chance to to think about where he wants to go next and get some experience teaching the next generation the side if that's what he wants to do. Yeah, I, I can the, the things I can see Junior getting a lot of a lot of minutes because I mean we just got rid of two DMs who were on the bench all the time because Sissoko just ate up all the minutes there. So, I mean, if if Junior can really take up that helm. You know, and then, I mean, he's going to give us under 21 minutes as well. I think we're just, I think we're laughing. I think he was just a real dark horse, great pick. And the fact that he didn't go until, you know, eighth or ninth overall, wherever we were, is uh, is kind of astonishing. I mean, MVP of, of, of the, the Nationals winning team in the final. <laughs> a goddamn coup. So, that's the midfield. Why don't we move on to the forwards? What do you, uh, who do you want to bring in? Who are you looking at? I know who you're looking. At. I can see a smile on your face. I people. I know, you're gonna, I know you're gonna ask me how to pronounce his name too. Yeah, I am. I I've been absolutely devoted to bringing in Stefan Karashovnik. Yeah, that's close enough. Kara Ivanovich. There we go. Um, he's oh, <laughs> just an absolutely phenomenal player who. He is still has so much time left to develop into an even better player mm-hmm. um he was just released from tfc2 just released he was released from tfc2 a little while ago uh when they did their big uh when they did their big release and two goals two assists and 19 appearances not not too shabby i think he'd be great to settle in here and kind of solve a couple of the goal scoring problems that we had um i he the fact that he can play both as a striker and anywhere on the wing up front is mm-hmm. an incredible strength in in the playing style that we use where our forwards drift as much as they do and cover as yeah, much space as they do i think having someone who can play both feet both wings 
it's just going to allow him to cover more space than pretty much any of our forwards with the exception of Tabla could do. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's... Uh, for our style of play, it almost seems like it would be a no-brainer. I mean, let, let that dude just hang out at the top and drift around where he thinks he needs to be. Just run those channels to get into that space. And, you know, let Ollie find him with the through ball. I mean, this is a no-brainer. <laughs> Make it happen, Captain. I mean, he recently had a had an interview with, uh, I believe it was Northern Tribune, and he said it right in there. He said, I'd be open to a, to a return to the CPL. I have unfinished business there. Uh, to me, when a player says, I have unfinished value, I'm open for a return. I have unfinished business. To me, that always sounds like they maybe already are on their way back in, and that's their yeah. subtle way of saying, I'll be back. Just keep an eye on your social medias. Yeah. So maybe there is a chance that he's returning. I hope that he's it's here in the in the capital that he's returning. Hmm. Um, but he would be, oh, he would just he's that missile, missing puzzle piece to me. Just that style of player that we have been lacking from our our striker rotation that we had, where he's a poacher, but he's a poacher who will move. And mm-hmm. god damn it, do we need a poacher who will move? Because Brian was a poacher who wouldn't move yeah. and Shaw it would move, but he's not a poacher. Mm-hmm. He's some, some hybrid of everything right now. He's yeah. some sort of weird complete forward. who's not quite a complete forward yet. He's Malcolm Shaw. Yeah. We need a player who will go to the ball, not wait for the ball to go to him. Yeah. And Kara is exactly the player for us right now. Yeah, and his finishing is just stupid good. I mean, obviously he didn't really pop off with Halifax, and he only got, I think, two goals at TFC2. But, I mean, his last season with the Ravens, it was, what, like 36 goals or some shit like that? Like, just stupid. <laughs> to me, that speaks more of a coaching issue than it does a player issue. I yeah. think the amount of players that you could say, blank, never kicked off in Halifax, mm. when there's that many, you know... If you have a class of 20 students and 19 of them fail the test, you got well, a bad teacher. Well, that's just it. No one kicked off in Halifax, so that's just not really uh, uh, apropos of anything, really. No, I, I think, you know, I think Hart was, uh, Hart was a coach. Mm. And I think having, you know, the big exodus from Halifax that has just happened, I think you're going to see a bunch of those players suddenly pop up and be good players elsewhere because they were and are good players who were stuck with coaching staff that made subpar decisions. I guarantee you they would have had a lot more points on the board if they did not stick with Oxner as long as they did. Yeah. Uh, well, I know there's another player on that team that uh, you got your eye on for forwards. Why don't you tell us about him? Yeah, I was looking at Alex Marshall. Um, I have a, a very strong love of Caribbean football, CONCACAF football. And I think that the CPL has this opportunity to be the main export league for CONCACAF. We should be the place that all these island nations should look at to send their players who are developing because Alex Marshall went from being just another high school student playing for his Jamaican Premier League team, which Jamaican Premier League... does not pay all their players. Only a certain percentage of your players per team get paid full contracts. Yeah. So he was he was essentially just there as a high school student kicking the ball around on his weekdays to coming to Canada, being paid to play his sport, 
and now he's making appearances for the Jamaican national team. That's mm-hmm. because of work he did here in Canada. That's yeah. not the work he did in Jamaica that got him on the Jamaican national team. It's work he did in Canada that got yeah. him on the national team. So I think signing Alex Marshall would be a fantastic signal to not just other teams in our league, but to everyone that sends your CONCACAF players here. We'll develop them. We'll get them onto their national teams. We'll play them. Then we'll send them off. Well, this is the, thing, the thing is, is that we've, uh, it wouldn't be the first time that we've made an interleague transfer of an international player and had them improve with us over where they were in their last club. You know, I'm talking about the redhead that's in Mexico right now. But uh, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, on that right wing, uh, I, I think he could be fantastic. I mean, he's obviously a really great player. Halifax fans talk about it all the time. He's like, because he's a great player in there. He just never kicked off with us. And I mean, like we said, nobody kicked off with them. So it's not really uh, reflective of the player at all. So those are those, these are some known entities, players that, uh, you know, we, we have a chance of possibly getting or, or, or at least ones that have some logic to it. Why don't we move on to a more fun segment? This is the rumors segment. Rumors. I should put an actual song. So Do we have something? <laughs> Love so it. we've got uh, th- so yeah this is a segment where we talk about uh, uh, rumored incomings not just players that we want but rumored incomings why they're rumors we're not going to reveal but there are rumblings whether they're hot or cold we'll let you know we're going to start with a cold rumor <laughs> why don't you tell us about uh, Billy Stedman there Joey so we've got uh, a great little player here in Billy Stedman uh, or as as his full, he's he's one of those fancy double first name guys. It's Billy J. Stedman. Hyphenated. Billy J. Stedman. There you hyphenated. go. Hyphenated. Uh, he's from Swindon, England. Uh, so, you know, bringing in another English player, something that we tried before with uh, Vachon Neville, something mm. that, you know, could have gone better, could have gone worse. Mm. Uh, I think Stedman is going to be a better representation of English player in Ottawa. Uh, he's currently playing in Top Flight North Ireland, which is an interesting one that uh, that we seem to have found. Uh, and uh, he's showed up a couple of times to the scoreboard for for Portadown uh, in in Ireland, is mm. including on the third of May when he scored a vital winning goal and their three two away win. Uh, in the first leg of the promotion relegation playoff in Top oh. Flight. So go. he is a player who isn't afraid to show up and and do what he needs to do when he needs to do it. On top of that, he's only 23. So he's got lots of lots of space, lots of time left to develop. And he plays as an attacking midfielder and as a striker and as a winger. So he's got, you know, six positions covered if we need him to play any of those six positions. Amazing. Will he be able to play full 90s consistently? I don't think so. I don't think he's going to be the next Ollie Bassett, you know, mm-hmm. coming from the aisles, looking fantastic, going to be great, always, always, always performing. But I think he's going to be a very, very good impact sub or very, very good, plays the first 45 minutes, gets things going, and then passes off the baton to somebody to finish things off. All right. Sounds promising. As I said, rumor... A cold one, but a rumor nonetheless. However, 
we have a hot rumor for you. This one is actually very hot. This isn't just a little warm. This one is quite hot. There are rumblings of, you probably have heard of this fella. His name is Carl Wimet. How perfect of a signing would Carl Wimet be for us? I mean, talk about losing Drew Becky and replacing him with another uh, like-minded player. He's... He is cut from the same cloth as Drew, as Tiso, as Carl. He's a Canadian player in his early 30s who, you know, he played for Montreal uh, Impact second team for a little bit back in 2012-2014. He's then gone on to play all across uh, America. Yeah, and he's coming right now from Detroit City. He's just finished at Indy 11 as well. Yeah. Um, so he's currently a free agent. He has some international experience. He's played 18 goals for Canada's uh, full team as well as five for various youth teams. That's a lot. Uh, 18 caps is a lot, man. Yeah, yeah. Between 2013 and 2016, he put in 18 caps. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that our team is lacking is mm. international experience, especially Canadian international experience. I think yeah. Tiso right now is our most capped Canadian player. Um, Carl is, oh, we're gonna have two Carls. Uh, Carl with a K <laughs> is, is uh, he's just another one of those classic Canadian players, I wanna mm. say, who's, yeah. whose perseverance and determination will make up for the lack in in skill that you find in European players. He will come over here and he will just put his nose to the grindstone and work game in, game out to just show off who he is and what he can do and make moves and make momentum for our team. He's an incredible defender who has a wicked long ball, and that is something that we desperately need right now, especially if we're going to continue racking up the amount of clearances we get and transition those clearances into proper counterattacking attempts. Yeah, and when, when you say he's a classic Canadian player, I would say in another way he's also a classic, you know, pre-CPL Canadian player, as it's the kind of dude that would, you know, start in an academy of one of our MLS teams and then end up traveling the States playing for, you know, various USL teams, uh, he was at San Francisco Deltas. He won the league with, with Max Tissot, actually, while he was there. Uh, went to Indy 11, played with Carl Howarth at Indy 11, um, and then, yeah, went on loan with uh, with Detroit City. And, um, I mean, he's 30. He's from uh, Quebec. He's from, I believe, Repentigny, Quebec. Jeez, I've lived in Montreal for a year and a half. I still can't speak the language. But, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think him coming back home is just, it would be such a typical ATO signing, wouldn't it? We've done this time and time again. He's, he's I think, the, the stereotypical Ottawa player mm. of a Canadian who has got just a couple years left. They're, left, they're definitely entering their twilight, but they still have so much to give. Mm. And coming here to the capital, to the fans and the atmosphere that we have created at TD Place, I think is why players like Carl and Carl are attracted to the city is this is the atmosphere where you're going out in that blaze of glory. You're going to have an inflatable T-Rex and bubble machines and flares and smoke grenades and everything. You're going to have the experience that I think every Canadian child who wants to be a professional football player looks out the window and says someday. I think this is the club that gives them that experience that 
that feeling. And I think Carl coming here, I think if he comes here, one of the reasons that he will is for that reason that this is my victory lap and this is the city I want to do it in. I love it. And I mean, he, it's, you say there's so much to, uh, 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 there's still so much to give. There's still so much teaching to do as well. I mean, these are the type of players that you want mentoring your younger players. These ones that have been around the block, especially when these players are center backs, <laughs> you know, they want to teach your young center backs really how to be elite, you know, in that way. And I mean, we talk about how we don't produce a lot of very good center backs. That's why the ones that we're getting are either gems from overseas, like Neva McDonald or guys like this that have had to make their bones in the States. So, you know, bring them home. Bring them home. Carl, I hope you become the second Carl to break our roster. <laughs> <laughs> two Zachs, two Carls. Eh. Life's it. difficult, man. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to be an ATO fan. <laughs> but it's not during the offseason because you get to listen to us ramble back and forth. Joey, it has been a pleasure. This has been ATO after the whistle of the locker room. We're going to do this about once a month. We might even throw Patty in an episode or two if he feels like it. You know, if he's not too busy doing Latvian things, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> this is a surprise one. The next one won't be a surprise, so we'll probably get some... Uh, we'll do the mailbag, because everyone loves the mailbag. We'll bring it for the next episode. But, uh, yeah, Joey, great job. Great job. It's a pleasure having you. Can't wait to do this uh, the whole off season. No, it's great. Uh, I hope everyone's thermostats are set exactly where they like it. And <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, <laughs> we'll see you next time.